Are you ready to free jack? Yo, no. Oh shit! I actually came ready to bone jack. Are we free jacking or bone jacking? We're we're free jacking. But my question is, is free jacking a thing that you do, or are you a free jack? I think free jack is like a state of being that is imposed on you. Like you become a free jack. Yeah. I want to free jack in order to be free jack. I was a free jacker, and then I became a bone jacker, and now I'm very happy. So you you jack your own bone? I jack my bone, and I'm very happy about it, yes. See, I'm a free jacker. I don't jack my own bone. See, I am not a free jacker because I have to be compensated. If I'm going to jack my bone, <laughs> somebody's paying me. And it is true, the bone jackers, they do it for money. $5 to look at it, 10, ten to watch you jack off. <laughs> somebody who's alive now. Take a look at these people, Alex. They've lived half their lives with the ozone layer. Tell me who's behind all this. I'm sorry. I can't tell you that. Alex, don't you remember me? He died, Jewel. Someone paid to bring him back. I watched you die. Welcome to my mind. Don't resist. Lose your mind, and you can live forever. Free Jack. Uh, welcome to 30 Years Later. I'm your host, Ricky Camilleri. Um, I am Chris Chapin. Yes, hello. Hi, hi, give, hi, Ricky. How are you? Give me a beat to introduce you. I forgot your name. Uh... <laughs> I feel like usually the problem is I don't start talking soon enough, and then this time I'm talking too soon. Today, we are talking about 1992's Free Jack, starring Emilio Estevez, Mick Jagger, the always lovely Rene Russo, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Banks, who delivers probably the best performance of the movie, and we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that, David Johannesson of the New York Dolls, Amanda Plummer, and some other people. It's directed by Jeff Murphy. Uh, from a script that's written by uh, Ronald Shusett, Stephen Pressfield, and Dan Gilroy of Nightcrawler fame. This is uh, Dan Gilroy's first published uh, credit uh, for a movie. Um, and um, it's also sorry, Dan, okay. not very good. <laughs> Wait, can I also think, so yeah, Stephen Pressfield that you mentioned. So he wrote the book, The Legend of Bagger Vance, but not until three years after writing this screenplay, 
He's like, I'm going. This sucks. I'm going to go write a book. <laughs> so him and Ronald Chusett had worked together on both um, King Kong Lives and uh, the Steven Seagal movie Above the Law. Above the Law, prior to making this movie, that checks out. <laughs> that checks out in regards to the quality of this movie. So uh, there's another movie that came out this same week right. in January right. of 1992, January 17th. I mean, there's two other movies. One of them is a gnome named Gnome, <laughs> directed by Stan Winston. Uh, and the other one is Juice, sure. directed by Ernest Dickerson, starring Omar Epps, Tupac Shakur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, now Juice is, for all intents and purposes, a classic. A classic movie. People still talk about it occasionally. Yeah. A good, and a good film, you know, definitely. If, if interesting, if we, interesting to talk about, I'm sure. If we were doing our due diligence as a po- as a podcast called Thirty Years Later, and specifically talking about movies from thirty years ago, we probably would talk about Juice yes. because Juice is a good movie. It's a classic movie from this period time, and Free Jack is a piece of it's shit. An awful movie. It's terrible. I I like to call it Shit Jack because it's a shitty oh, movie Ricky, that's very clever i like that a thanks, lot thanks so much every time they yelled free jack in the movie i would go shit jack uh <laughs> see to me I, I if it were me and i had been as inspired as you to think of such a such a good turn of phrase i would have said very free very jack, good turn of phrase more like shit jack free jack more like jack shit <laughs> oh, see it's good now it's better now we're pitching on it That's i love good. it yeah. yeah now now we're getting now we're getting to the place that it should have been upon first thought if i was a <laughs> smart person um but yeah. chris you did not want to do juice well, so you did not want to do juice. so the situation tell, tell, if, tell our audience why we're being irresponsible so it's interesting to talk about this ricky because not only did you abdicate responsibility right now but you're ab- you actually abdicated in the moment also <laughs> You said, which should we do, Free Jack or Juice? And I said, Juice. And then I thought to myself, I feel like several times we have talked about movies that are um, notable classic films from this period, but there are like, you know, they're created by black people, they star black people, and, you know, a lot of the people who watch the movies then and now are black people, and that's part of a a unique way of seeing the movie that I can't access. And a couple of times we've done it, and I've been like, you know, we talk about it and say like, this is just our point of view, blah, blah, blah. And I was just, I just thought like, man, I don't know. I just can't do it again. Cause it's like, if we're going to do juice, really, really, it shouldn't just be two white guys talking about juice. Like really it should be more than that. And, and I don't have time to book a guest this week. I'm everything's crazy. The daycare is closed because of COVID and like we're working from home. And so I, I, in a moment of panic, I wrote back to you and I said, no, wait, free Jack. And then you said like, okay, sure. Whatever you want. <laughs> and yeah. <you know. laughs> Like the one time in and your did, life you've been so fucking pleasant and agreeable. I don't know why. And, did, and, and, and didn't that come back to bite you in the ass? Yeah, it really did. Dude. <laughs> Nothing. No, there's ain't no free jacks on this ride. Yeah, dude. So we're just saying it might not be like the longest episode of the show. You know. Well, I I want to push back lightly. Uh, you're right in term in, in that I did abdicate responsibility. And then even today when I got 10 minutes into free Jack, I texted you, we should have watched juice, yeah. uh, which you basically agreed to, but you had already watched free Jack and were working and didn't 
you know, didn't have time to watch another I movie before it took we could th- record. It took three watching sessions for me to finish this movie because I kept falling asleep. So yeah, it it ended up being something that I was like, I'm gonna cook food and like put it on in the background, yeah. like and try to pay attention because it's hard. It's it, hard to pay attention to. Yeah, we're on a we're on a a two for two string in 2022 yeah, yeah, slash 1992 for. Uh, movies struggling to fill their runtime. It's <laughs> uh, like lots of I, unconnected I, scenes or like the same scenes over again, maybe four or five times, you know, like whatever. But I, I understand your sentiment about not wanting to be two white guys talking about this classic piece of black cinema that means a lot to black culture. But I do think that it's okay to be, us talking about a movie because it is a movie and the movie wasn't i i I think it's without going too dark too deep down the rabbit hole here i do feel like it's a symptom of like echo chamber culture to be like oh i don't want to speak to anything that's not part of my chamber because but then so then who did they make the movie for they didn't just make the movie for a black audience you know they made a movie for everybody that was about black people and hopefully you as a white person are interested in understanding black art and And the black experience and i'm not like unable to appreciate a film just because i the person on the screen has a different color skin than me like that doesn't really of course not i i don't i don't think that you're that way but i do think that and I suffer from this too often. The only time I don't suffer from it is when somebody else initiates it, but like a knee jerk reaction of like, Oh, I can't talk about this. Right. right. When I think that's like, I actually think that's a disservice to both the work and to talking. And certainly to our (laughs) listeners of this podcast. Certainly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, And I I mean, I don't think that it's like wrong. And certainly when I've said, what I said was we have done it several times. And I just thought like, this time i didn't feel like doing it again you know like i want to talk I, like we didn't watch it and I, when i say i want to talk about juice i don't mean like i want to talk about it right now but like i i juice is an example like i want to watch a movie yeah, like that know, and too. have a conversation right. like that and then afterwards like i would hope that if i said something that was stupid or which i'm sure i would uh or was like you know uh historically inaccurate or incorrect or misrepresentative in, in, in some way that someone would be like, shut the fuck up. And I could be like, yeah. Oh, thank you. And, 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 and hear it and, and absorb it because that's the point of conversation. And I think, you know, without sounding too much like some old man, I am an old man, but without talking, sounding too much like someone who's complaining about social media and echo chambers, there is this sense, this knee jerk sense. That's like, Oh, I don't have permission to talk about this because right. I don't want to get, I don't want to get yelled at, you know, and when it's, it's like, you know, and it's also like, well, what are we going to say exactly? That's so objectionable. You know, I don't think yeah, well, that too. Yeah, like you right. and I are not going <laughs> to, we're not going to say anything. Like, like I'm sure we would have had a much better time watching that movie and liked it a lot more than this movie. Yes. You know, if I, I mean, if anything, I'm going to say something more offensive in regards to free Jack, which is that like, <laughs> At least Renee Russo was in it, and I could stare at her yeah, for the she movie. She was very beautiful in this movie. Everything else pretty much sucked. Well, you know, uh, Ricky, funny you should mention that. <laughs> but of course, you know, she met her husband on this movie. He was uh, one of the screenwriters, incredible. right? I have you ever have you ever seen a picture of them together at that time? No, not at that time. No, no, no. What a Mac! What a what what a Mac! What what oh man, what a player. I saw a picture of him like from recently and he looked terrible. But he was hot back in the day. No. Oh. 
I thought you were no. being serious. No, what a Mac, man. What, what game he must oh, have had. right. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. He locked Respect. her down. They are still married. 30 years later, they have, have never gotten divorced. This guy. I'm sorry. What did you say? I said they're still married. But how how long? 30 years later. 30 years later. Yes, there it still, is. Thank you. 30 Thank years you. later, they are still married, brother. Um, it, 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 to be so lucky. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, it makes you believe in love. You know, it, it makes you believe absolutely. that he has some kind of a witch's spell on her, and it's he one hundred percent has a witch's spell on her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that she cannot but, break out. She like can't get out of bed at night or something. She's like magical ropes hold her down. So I'm gonna take a. I'm gonna take a. Um, I'm gonna take a spin on the plot description I would, train. I would love it uh, if you would do that, Ricky. That sounds great. And, and see, and let's see what we come up with here when I get off the ride. Tell me, tell me, tell me how, how, yeah, how, right. how good I did. Emilio Estevez, um, who I would describe in this movie as anti-charisma. Um, who is technically present in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is a race car driver. And he's a, uh married to Rene Russo or they're dating and uh he's about to go in a big race car event and in the midst of it he there's an accident and in the middle of the accident he gets zapped into the future he gets into the future he gets away from the people who zapped him uh and were going to be his captors and now he's running through futuristic New York City which is probably the other thing that I liked about hmm. the, I liked a couple of the lines about futuristic New York City dystopia new york city um and where he meets his friends from 18 years ago and where he meets new people and he's being chased by a a a gang of kind of like corporate uh um sort of like corporate mercenaries led by mick mick jagger yes and um, the lead ricky yeah and uh he he they're after him and you don't really find out why they're after him until the end spoiler why they're after him is because he's been he's a free jack, which means he was zapped out of the past into the future to give his body to to someone who paid for it. And the person who ends up having paid for the body is Rene Russo's boss in the future, played by Anthony Hopkins, right. because he's dying and is in love with Rene Russo. But meanwhile, there's a some corporate espionage between uh his executive vice president played by Jonathan Banks who's going to let Hopkins's body die oh yeah and then at the end randomly like doesn't make any sense Emilio Estevez and Rene Russo travel to the bottom or the top of the floor of their um you know office building and they end up going into like the digital eye it's yeah which is very the 2001 spiritual, ricky i think you're talking about the spiritual switchboard is that what you're referring to i my god and it looks it looks like 2001 if 2001 decided to put like picture in picture frames <laughs> scattered throughout it like like well, instead it is of an just office building it is an office building you know so right it ends up looking like uh, like little, like perfectly rectangle squ- picture squares are floating through it. So weird, it's so weird. Um, and then uh, Estevez meets up with Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins takes what feels like ten fucking minutes explaining everything that you've already seen in the movie. And then the two of them have to mind wrestle oh uh, over uh, a switchboard, and uh, 
and and basically like and these electric waves that look like those balls that you could get at Spencer's where you touch the glass yes, ball yes, and like yes. the electricity. Or like they have at the science museum. Yeah, the electricity touches your fingers. Like that's what's kind of like zooming through their their the the front of their their third eyes basically. And meanwhile, Emilio Estevez, like while that's happening, there's like fire and explosions and he like in his brain and he's just going ah! it's actually like i'm sh- so i hope someone has gifted it somewhere because it's a great meme gif if, if it exists and uh and then it turns out that he beats anthony hopkins he tricks everybody he is now the boss and then as he's as as when he finally tells renee russo he goes nibble on my ear for luck and that's the last line of the movie which is just disgusting um, which he had also like, said in the beginning of the movie so it's a really thoughtful callback you know i know it was a callback but in the beginning but it was gross both times no ricky well can i just say that was an amazing summary of the plot almost 100 percent accurate <laughs> like you actually that was really good one thing i would like to bring up like just because we already talked about the whole plot of the movie like so I mean, supposedly this movie had like a million reshoots, obviously, but like you said, the ending doesn't really make <laughs> very any... obviously, very, very obviously. obviously, lots of stuff happens and doesn't seem to make any sense at all. Yeah. You know, like there is like so the yeah, the ending is like doesn't make any sense. The whole thing is Mick Jagger's been chasing him the whole time, but then like randomly Mick Jagger is like on his side again, something somehow. But then it's like Mick Jagger is gonna kill him, but but he pretends he pretends to be Anthony Hopkins, like that the transfer has worked, which is an idea that they had broached earlier that they were going to try to somehow do this and trick people. But so can you, can you do an impression of Mick Jagger's performance in this movie? Cause I think we made fun of Emilio Estevez, but I think Mick Jagger actually gives the worst performance in the movie. Well, I mean, so basically what happens is they, he pretends to, he pretends that he is Anthony Hopkins. He comes out, Mick Jagger stops the car with all these troops and he goes, I knew if I watched you, you'd slip up. He doesn't drive. And then they it's look great, at him and they're like, Mick Jagger is an Australian. He's Australian. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this about Mick Jagger. He's Australian. <laughs> there, It's like, oh no, there's going to be a big fight. But then he just goes, huh, get out of here. And that's like, his, you're like, what the fuck is going well, on? Let's. We've got David Johannesson of the New York Dolls and Mick Jagger in this movie, right? And David Johannesson goes full Johannesson. He's great. Wait, wait, He's wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Can I interrupt? Because I would like to. I would like to do another impression of Mick Jagger in this movie because he does sure. have a line I really like. So there's a time where he comes up in a tank with a, a silly ass Michael Dukakis tank helmet on, and he goes, "Rebels, take them out." <laughs> That's actually a pretty good impression. Rebels, as good of a. <laughs> no, you're going too far. Rebels, because he's... take them out. <laughs> Rebels! <laughs> You're going too far. Mick Jagger Rebels. clearly <laughs> clearly went into this movie like being like, I'm not going to act like Mick Jagger. I'm going to be an actor, which led him to just do nothing in every scene. <laughs> this is the first like movie he was in in 22 years. He's the villain. He's essentially the, or he's the muscle, he's the muscle of the movie, yeah. right? And so he should be like, he, he should be, he, he should be flamboyant. He should be wild. He should be like, crazy and threatening but in every scene he's like rebels take them out there's this scene where they show him playing video games for like no apparent reason like just to i guess to establish that he's watching tv and it goes like bloop bloop game over and he goes oh (laughs) it's just like was there a free jack video game i bet there was i really hope there was uh i'm looking it up right now googling it right now obviously 
one like ooh, free jack gameplay trailer oh no it's some other weird thing parkour racing dude this movie made 37 million dollars in the box office it's completely fucking crazy it's completely fucking crazy ricky it's a disaster it's a terrible movie it's a total disaster and it made and i bet at the time they were like whoa 37 million dollars what a bomb right yeah oh my god i can't believe it well i mean especially it it is to have mick jagger in it which is like very weird it's very i mean the cast is good and the people associated with it would go on to do if not good then at least popular things but like, to put this into context, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story in 2022 has only made $44 million. Oh Free Jack made 37. People used to just go see movies. They used to just go to the theater and be like, what's playing? Oh, what's Free Jack? Let's go see that. People I would, like Mick Jagger. They would physically go to a movie theater and not even know what movies were playing or when. Yes. And then just go that's, see something. That's so cool. I That is so cool that people would just walk up to a theater and be like, what's playing? I go, I'll go see this. Yeah. I don't even do that no, anymore. I I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that this week. Fuck I'm going to, that's you a are plan. Not, you are not going to do 100%, that. 100% I'm going to do that. Lying. Do you want to do it with me? We'll just go to a theater. We'll pick a theater and we'll go and we'll go see something. We're not, but I got to be honest with you. We're not going to, I mean, the thing is, is I sort of have in the back of my head, everything that's playing in New York. <laughs> yeah. You so kind of like, know everything not... that's playing everywhere. Yeah. 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 yeah so that I doesn't really work. Like, for if, me. like whatever theater you pick, you're like, okay, yeah, they're showing this. And yeah. And the thing is, is if I went to like a AMC Lowe's or something, it would be like, I would walk up and if I, I, I would be like, no, I'm just not going to see that. I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> Did I'm you not going to watch that. that they're closing the Court Street Theater? Did you hear about I that? I did. I felt that makes me so sad. I saw Don't Breathe 2 there just a few months ago. <laughs> like six or seven, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I saw Don't Breathe 2 there of all the movies. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying what a funny poll, you know? Like, no, the movie was great. I used to go, yeah, I used to I used to work like near there. So I would leave work very stressed out. I would like smoke a joint and like be paranoid that someone was seeing me and then I would go see a movie at like kill time in the Barnes and Noble, and then mm-hmm. I would go to uh, to that movie theater. Man, remember retail movie theaters just being out? I would just go into a store just to like wander around and kill time and like read a magazine, and you know, and they had to let you do it. They were happy to let you do it. This is the stuff that has been kind of like bumming me out this week. Before we started recording, Chris and I were talking about being kind of bummed out this week about the state of affairs. Yeah in the world and uh it just doesn't seem like things are getting better or going to go back to a normal it seems they're just going to become the normal is going to become even more isolation and and that's kind of been bumming me out yeah it definitely seems like everybody's insane and i don't know everybody this is the thing that worries me too though is i think everybody has lost their minds in the pandemic but me and then i'm like but that means you lost your mind too. And you just don't know how. Yeah. If everybody's an asshole, but you, yeah, it means you're an asshole too, but I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know how exactly. And that's scary. Uh, maybe just, maybe you're just feeling ornery. Yeah, I guess so. I'm one of these parents. I'm, I'm one of these parents, you know, in the pandemic, one of these parents of under fives that are abandoned by the, I mean, yeah, sometimes I do think I should just write some op-ed like that, but like, 
I don't particularly feel like that, you know? No more op-eds. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Dear, here, to anyone who listens to this, no more op-eds. Just don't write one. Don't write one. Just don't do it. Don't read them. Don't write them. No one gives a shit about your opinion. If you want, if you want to write, write a piece of art, work on something, write an, write an article, report on something. This is the thing I always, my writing is always about other people. And that's really hard to do freelance writing when that is your writing. It's much easier to do it when you're writing about yourself because you always have access to yourself. You know, you'll say whatever quotes you want and nobody really gives a shit. Nobody wants to read like an article about some other dumb thing. We've become this horrible culture of op-eds and everybody has a take and it fucking sucks. I think we could talk a little bit about Emilio Estevez's performance outside of, you know, anti-charisma. Uh, you had said in a, in a text to me, he, he's like, he's not even there or he didn't show up. But I wonder if that's him showing up. Like he thinks he is doing some kind of iconic action hero thing where he's being like very macho and understated because he's supposed to be like a race car driver who turns into like a rebel leader. And he's got all these lines where he's like, shucks, I'm just trying to look after my own ass. You know, like he's not he's not a good lead or not necessarily a lead. He's not a good kind of like straight man. Like I think of his good performances and he's kind of a wild card. He's like pent up frustration or he's Billy the Kid in Young Guns. You know, he's mischievous and crazy. And this character needs other people to play off of. Right. Yeah. And in this in this this movie, his main job is being like, what's going on? Where am I? Like running around with a machine gun. And there is a funny scene where they make, they just do exactly the same scene from Back to the Future where Marty McFly goes to his girlfriend's house and it's like a a black couple answers the door and he's like, where's my girlfriend? She lives here. And they're like, we don't know who you are. Get out of here. Like literally that exact same scene is in this movie. Well, that's the scene where we find out, we hear the word free Jack for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a free Jack. He's a free Jack. Well, Look out. This does get to something I would like to say about this movie, Ricky. So obviously we're having a great time talking about what a bad movie this is. And it is, but there is a way where this movie is almost like too creative. Like it has a lot of ideas actually, you know, I agree. And it's got, it's really going for it. It's doing world building and it's got, you know, people using like future slang and, you know, I wouldn't say I thought it was creative as well. Like the first 10 minutes of the movie I was actually into and I couldn't really see where it was going. You know, yeah. uh, but then as soon uh, there's a there's a there's a there's a, you can what's bad about that, though, is that it's not very well directed. So as much as the script feels like it might be kind of a fresh take, it's it's a fairly um, stiff direction. And then at about like the second act, every the, the you know, the screws are in and you can kind of call every beat of the movie afterwards with the exception of a couple couple moments yeah i mean what i was interesting to me i thought was um you know right from the credits basically this movie is telling you it's like a noir right it's like a neo-noir like to the extent that it's set in the future you know um so to me it was like the opening is a little bit you don't know where it's gonna go but then yeah like you're saying very quickly it settles into these like noir tropes you know and all the kind of stock characters are there the heavy and the evil rich guy and, you know, and, and I, I was excited for that, honestly. And I do like movies like that, you know, and I, I, I as much as I dislike this movie, I, I did sort of admire that it was a little bit creative. It was having fun a little bit and it was doing something that was just like a little bit, you know, could have been good, could have been good, you know, but Wasn't, it looked but like a, 
it kind of had the look of a 70s TV show. <laughs> you know, of a, of a sci-fi 70s TV show. A lot like of it, like people on scaffolding with smoke in the dead of night so you can't see what's behind them. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but like you've just described like visual layers in a shot, yet everything still looked really flat <laughs> throughout most of the movie. Yeah, um, okay, but again, Renee yeah. Russo, Renee Russo, Renee Russo. She's great. She looks great in this movie. What? An, I tried taking a pictures of her with my phone on the screen because I was like, it's what? ridiculous how good she looks in this in this moment. And what they, were you gonna do with those pictures? I don't know, use them on social media for the show or something. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, but they did not come Pre-jack. out well. They did not come out well at all. <laughs> she looks terrible in these pictures. So, you know, that's a point. You know, my wife shouldn't feel bad if I ever take a bad picture of her because, like, I can't take a fucking good picture of Renee Russo in a movie where she already looks good. So what did you think about the the music in the movie? The the Like, all of a sudden, at like the halfway point, this sort of, like, different score kicks in. I That's like not, uh, Ricky. There's so much going. I did not notice the score at all in this movie. What was happening with the score? At like the halfway point of the movie, all of a sudden, this sort of like uh, saxophone-ish theme kicks in that is going for noir, but once again, sounds like a '70s TV show. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they, I mean, but that's like they have music. The music over the opening credits is like. You know, and it's like all gray or something. There's a lot of elements in here that are not juxtaposed with intention. They're just juxtaposed. It's like kind of a grab bag of stuff. I mean, yeah. I was I was very curious about this movie because I was like, why does this movie exist? I mean, I know we talk all the time about like how did they even used to make movies like what was a movie? But I was like, why is Mick Jagger in this movie, right? Because, and I didn't even know this when I started looking into it. But yeah, he had made two movies in 1970 and they both kind of got panned. And then he did like odd things here or there, but he never was like really like in a movie ever again until Free Jack. And I'm like, why the fuck is Mick Jagger in Free Jack? So I'm Googling this, like, why is Mick Jagger in Free Jack? And apparently he gives him interview to Entertainment Tonight at the time where he's like, he goes, um, well, you know, we just the Rolling Stones just finished the tour, and I was gonna start recording a solo album a couple months later. So I just had a couple months free, and they called me up and they were like, "Do you want to do this movie?" And it's starting shooting in three weeks, so we need to know right now. And I just went, "Yeah, okay, fine." And like, if I had had more time to think about it, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> and he that's was saying, "Literally, this- that's literally how it works. Like you, you, you think that it's." much more complicated than that. And I guess sometimes it is, but it is more often than not somebody on the movie knows somebody who knows somebody else and they get their number and they call them and are like, Hey, we're shooting in a week. Uh, I heard that you're off right now. Do you want to come shoot for your, your characters in it? We can shoot you out in, you know, two weeks. Will you come in? And they're like, sure. Sounds good. Or they say no, and then you go to the next person, and that's yeah, really it. That's amazing. It is really amazing. And what an amazing art form. <laughs> it's completely insane. That you would call Mick Jagger. Somebody on the set would be like, uh, what about Mick Jagger? I know they just finished a tour and he's kind of he told me he's kind of bored. Maybe he'd do it. Yeah, he's in he's been in movies. I bet he'd want to be in a movie, you know. And Mick Jagger shows up and goes, Go get him. Yeah. Get him, rebels. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. He wouldn't do you. No, he 
And he was like, Rebels, attack. Get him, Rebels. <laughs> Get him, Rebels. Ah, Mr. Flunkin, or whatever in the rest of his character's name ah, was. I think yeah, it was like come on. Froman or Flunkin. It was like the worst. <laughs> and his name was like name. Jibble Jack or something. Like Mick Jagger's name was really weird. Uh, Emilio Estevez's character's name was Alex Furlong. <laughs> Mick Jagger's name was Victor Vicendak. Victor Vis- And all throughout the movie, they're going, Vicendak, get out of there. Um, I do want to talk. There are two performances in the movie that I like. Uh, and they are Amanda Plummer as the yes. nun. Who, and I, I who did shows fall asleep and, a bunch. Why Why was Amanda Plummer playing a weird nun that kept getting beaten up? What, what was she doing in this movie? Chris, I, I have to be honest with you. I can't answer that question. Because <laughs> I remember there all of a sudden there were scenes where she was a weird nun. And then for some reason, the bad guys were beating her up. But I was like, what is her connection at all to any of the rest of the movie? <laughs> you know, all I know in the movie is that she has a line that is that's in Sector 7 you would know it as Park Slope, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Uh, and in terms of other New York stuff, I also enjoyed the scene where Emilio Estevez jumps off of what I think is supposed to be the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. In wide, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. In close-up, it looks like the Manhattan or the Williamsburg Bridge. Yeah. Um, the way that it's designed. I think it's the Manhattan, maybe. Yeah, hard to say. Yeah. Uh, but was the wide supposed to be the Brooklyn? I think it was supposed bridge? to be the Brooklyn Bridge, right? Because that's all anybody knows about, you know. Yeah, um, and I, I I liked that. But then the other performance that I liked was Jonathan Banks from Bank- Breaking Bad, who's this executive VP that's like engaging in corporate espionage. And every line he does, he does with this like casual smarm it's that's so good. really it's funny. So good. They're like, "Why are you doing this?" And he's like, "Why are we doing it?" to kill you <laughs> like very <laughs> like he's just seemed to be the only one that was bringing like an angle or a take on his performance well, where everybody else is just going as flat as possible no range whatsoever if you think about it there's no reason this movie like it's ridiculous okay sure but it's no more ridiculous than total recall but like he's the only person giving you like a total recall level performance you know, yes. where he's whereas like Total really Recall, going for it as a future evil person, you know. Whereas in Total Recall, everybody's going for it. Right. Even Arnold, um, they're all going for it really good, you know. And I don't think, I was thinking about that while I was watching this. I don't think this movie would exist without Total Recall. I think this movie's kind of, you know, probably made in the wake of Total Recall's success. Yeah, right. It's like these kind of weird future stories. And it is kind of... Because he's a man displaced who doesn't know who his identity is in question, you know, and he doesn't know who to trust. It is very similar to Total Recall in some ways, right? Do you think Emilio at the time, like, how many people were attached to this before Emilio oh Estevez was attached to, be to like it? Has to be like a thousand people were attached to this first, and like then they just got to a place where like <sighs> we got Emilio. All right, fine. We go. We, we start shooting in two weeks. We can't. We of course, yeah, great, perfect. And Emilio Estevez shows up. And he's like, "Hey, everybody! Oh, well, this is gonna be great." And they're like, uh, uh, "Hi, Emilio. Hi, Emilio." <laughs> well, Emilio he's not Richard Est- here, but hey, everybody! Emilio Estevez is here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guy from another stakeout is here. Guy from well, you know, from Young Guns too. I guess that was like a hit, right? No, he was a big star. St. Elmo's Fire, Breakfast yeah. Club, Young Had Guns. Had Mighty Ducks Young come Guns out too. at this point or not? 
Now, Mighty Ducks hadn't come out. Mighty Ducks was on the downward trajectory. This was, um, I think this was probably the beginning of that downward trajectory, really. Right, because he had, Um, uh, what's that movie Everybody Over 40 Likes? Um, Where he's a garbage man. Not where he's a garbage man, but... Men at Work. Yeah, no, not that. The one where it's like they have, the the car is magic or something. Oh, Repo Man. That's a good movie. Yeah, 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 Repo Man. Right, right, right. Have you never seen that? I've seen it. I've seen it, yes. I don't, um, like it. I don't like it that much. Oh, you're wrong. It's I a know. great I movie. I know everybody likes it. I know, you know, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I can be wrong sometimes. But then he had, so yeah, so Young Guns 2, Men at Work, and then Free Jack. And oh, The Mighty Ducks is the same year. Oh, wow. And then Loaded Weapon 1, Another Stakeout, and Judgment Night. Judgment Night, I stand mm. by. Good movie. Can't wait. Can't wait. What is that, 93, 94? Yeah, ninety three. When did that come out? in Ninety three. Will we will <laughs> we still be doing this? We'll still be in the fucking quarantine, Ricky. Who are you kidding? That is true. This is never going to end. Never going to end. This is just how we live forever. <laughs> when did this? Uh, oh, not till October fifteenth. Oh, well, who knows if we'll get to we'll it. We'll see. Or not. We'll see. Um, um, so, favorite parts. Favorite. I think parts. this is going to be like a thirty minute podcast when you cut That's it down, great, dude. So, Chris, at the end of the. Um, Chris, at the end of every episode, don't laugh at my my stammering. I have a, uh, you know, I have a stutter like Joe Biden. Um, I actually used to have a stutter. I still. Oh I, my god! Do you really? Did you? I really? used. To, I really did used to. I had the kind of thing where audio? you you can't get certain sounds out. You know. Do you have any audio of you anywhere stuttering that I can listen to and laugh at? <laughs> That's actually I when I the last the last time I remember actually having the stutter was when, like ten years ago, auditioning for to be in some onion video, and I was I got I like froze up during the audition and I like couldn't I was stuttering. Oh my Chris, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it was really fucked up. It was really fucked yeah. up. Yeah, and they really liked my look too. They gave me like they auditioned me for like three different commercials, and I was like I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Actually. It's like a bummer. But anyway, at the end of every episode, Chris Chapin, <laughs> we ask three simple questions. And the first of those questions is, what was your favorite part? So Chris Chapin, my my humble co-host, what was your favorite part of 1992's Free Jack? Yeah, Ricky, I have actually been saving, like, keeping my powder dry for this part. I have a couple different answers because <laughs> there you were some really ridiculous things. Jack? Yes, definitely. Okay, oh, so the first tell. one, the first one for sure is, and I was so worried you were going to mention this earlier. Right after he does the thing where he drives off the bridge, they show him walking into a homeless camp, like somewhere in Brooklyn. And everybody's wearing like beige rags, and there's literally a guy standing up above everybody, like playing a saxophone in the window. <laughs> and Emilio just like looks around at everybody and is like, he doesn't even he doesn't even go like, huh? They just show him looking around, and then they cut to the next scene. <laughs> and I was like, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> like, I love that there's someone in rags playing the saxophone in the homeless camp to set the mood <laughs> like is that the same is that the same scene with frankie Faison, or is frankie Faison in the next scene i think it's in the next scene yeah the the homeless man that's eating a rat and and talking about the eagle yeah i think that's the next one the, this is like just the introduction to the homeless camp mm-hmm. um but i thought that was really fucking stupid and so ridiculous that this 
yeah, I really thought that was silly. Um, but the other thing was, so like, and again, amazing, we haven't talked about it up until now. One of the main places the money on the, the budget of this film seems to have gone to is cool cars. <laughs> because the yes. mo- Mick Jagger drives multiple different tanks in this movie. <laughs> and there are like different tanks with like different paint jobs. <laughs> and then also they have built all these ridiculous future cars where these, there are these gigantic, like kind of circular cars. And there are scenes sometimes where like five or six of these are driving down the street and they look so rickety and hand built <laughs> that you're like kind of nervous <laughs> watching them. Again, this is sort of what made me feel like it felt like a 70s TV show about the future. Yeah. You know, it, those just look like shells. Yes, on they look like shells on top of Nissan Sentra. Three wheelers. Yeah, right. Yeah, they look ridiculous. They look ridiculous. But I liked that the movie took the time to have the idea for the future cars and get somebody to design the future cars and construct the future cars, even though they obviously didn't have the resources to be doing that. Like there were a bunch of meetings where people were like, look, we can't lose the cars. We have to, what are they going to be driving in? You know, mm-hmm. it was very, and they, cause they do make the interior shots of the cars of which there are many match the way the exteriors look like they're sitting in these curved, seats to like that make logical sense as being the insides of the car that you're seeing from the outside which i was like you didn't need to pay this much attention to this stuff in this movie it's even though it's rickety and it sucks it's also like it shows a lot of intentionality creativity and determination and i honestly did admire that and the back seats if i remember correctly are humongous they're like a humongous leather bench that is what the back seat of every car is yeah yeah. Um, my favorite part of the movie was probably Rene Russo. Well, sure. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, or Jonathan Banks. Um, or if I'm being real honest, it was probably the scene where, uh, Emilio Estevez and Anthony Hopkins were mind melding. Oh my God. And so good. The, the lightning was shooting out of his third eye and he was screaming with fire dissolving around him. That was pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. I mean, Ricky, the other thing is it's been, you know, 30 years since this movie came out. And of course, 30 years ago was the 1990s. So like, what what did you think was the most 90s thing about this movie? Um, Rene Russo, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> is going to be your answer for everything, Ricky, is Rene Russo? Yeah, Rene <laughs> Russo, Emilio Estevez. Uh, yeah, I would say those the, those two things. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I totally agree. There was something, though, about, about the futuristic look of it that, like, the cars looked a little like Demolition Man. Like, I felt yeah, like Demolition definitely. Man learned a little bit about the design, except Demolition Man isn't really a dystopia. It's more of a, a like the city's super clean. It's like a Singapore almost <laughs> in Demolition Man. Um, I do love how, like, in all of these movies about the future at this time, there's just, like, one person who like they like runs everything. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. like in Demolition Man, there's like one guy who has like changed the world, changed the world, and now everyone just sort of like adheres to him. And in this, it's like Anthony Hopkins is like the richest guy, so yeah, he, runs he owns everything. everything. Maybe that's how it is, and Jeff Bezos does run everything. I don't, I, I don't think so. It seems like a bit more, but a little more of a clusterfuck than that. <laughs> Yeah, like it would be kind of actually a lot better if one person ran everything. At least there would be some kind of plan, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Or, yeah, Ricky, are you coming uh, out of the closet as a monarchist? Is that what's happening here? Are you in favor of benign dictatorship? It might be. It might be. <laughs> if it's Bernie. If it's Bernie, baby, whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it, you know. Burn it down. Um, and so, Chris, same question to you, my, my, my good sir. Yeah, so what's the most 90s part of the movie? I mean, to me, it... That's um, the question. Yeah, wait, I'm sorry, what was the question? What's the most 90s movie that is a part of it? Okay, yeah, okay. Um, it's probably, there's a... I mean, you mentioned this kind of a little bit before, but there's a... When they're doing their mind battle sequence, bef- there's kind of a beginning. The way they get into this is this kind of like um, se- sequence where it's kind of like you're going down a tunnel and then you end up inside of uh, Anthony Hopkins's mind. And that scene was so like early 1990s CGI. It was so Lawnmower Man, like which is a movie I think from this year, coming out later this year. Maybe it was the year before. But um, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. And like VHS tapes of like Pink Floyd songs playing over like collections of college CGI animation projects, <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff that I would watch in somebody's, you know, weird rec room. Right, it looks like a 1980s music video for Pink Floyd's time. Yes, 100%. Yes, definitely. Like, like all of the bells are going off, right? And all all of the ticking clocks are going off. And then as the song kicks in, like a square image (laughs) floats in through the center and then straightens up and becomes the image that you look at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's just like squiggly lines flying past you, kind of like gray Mm -hmm. circles. So it looks like you're going through a tunnel, you know? I just don't even think in 1992, people were like, whoa. I do think, I do think, I mean, this is around the time Lawnmower Man came out. And I do think people were like that about that movie. But you could have, the stuff that they're doing in this, you could have done in a movie in like the 1960s. Not, not, not digitally the way they're doing it. I don't think so. But the way that they're digitally doing it doesn't add anything to it. Like Lawnmower Man was actually uh, new. It was like, it was like a digitally animated sequence in the middle of a movie, right? It was, it was interesting. Um, no, not interesting, but it was like at the very <laughs> least, like you hadn't seen that before. I feel like this, they're not actually contributing anything. New. I mean, I'm not saying that. I totally agree with you. I'm just saying it reminded me of dumb shit from the nineties that I remember. Um, the third question we ask is, um, what have we grown out of this what do you think we've grown uh, out of, Ricky? Like, what, which, which parts of Free Jack are we not seeing as much in movies these days? <laughs> not, not Rene Rousseau. Yeah. Are you saying she is something we still see? Uh, I'm saying we haven't grown out of her. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, of course, her husband that she met on the set of Free Jack would go on to make uh, Nightcrawler, starring Rene Rousseau. Um, what have we, what have we grown out of? Um, I I think this is like a Netflix movie now. Oh, like I think for sure. Netflix yeah. would would make this as a very cheap movie, um, and it would look even less populated and designed. Oh yeah, right. And it wouldn't have it as would... many. It wouldn't. Uh, and this is kind of my answer too. Is like it. It's almost like it's too creative. Like a movie like this would not be this creative. It wouldn't have all these little like weird nooks and crannies or something. It would just yeah. be like very straightforward, 
you know, this guy has to stop this other guy. And there are a bunch of fights and, you know, he makes an ally and, you know, that would be it. It would just be like bang, bang, boom, like straight to the end, you know? Right. There wouldn't be as much, there wouldn't be as much plot. There wouldn't be as much story. Yeah, there wouldn't be as much you know, story. And, but you could also argue that this movie's not better for that. Yeah, it's actually a, bad, a, right? A lot of the story in this movie you can you can see coming from a mile away. And like what are you getting out of really? It's and well this is the thing, because yeah. it's poorly directed and it's poorly acted, so you're not getting anything out of the characters or out of their the, their journey or whatever, you know. Free Jack, baby. Free Jack, that was it. So great to talk to you, Ricky, as always. I think as we Ricky just started got, checking think... his email like while he was talking. What? No, I didn't. How did you know that? Because I heard the click and I saw the light go on your face. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Wait, uh, do do you feel jacked? I think I got <laughs> jacked. Yeah, and I definitely feel like it was a free jack. I didn't make any fucking dollar off of it for sure. I I got. I think I want to say to our audience. I want to say that. Yeah. Um, hey guys, uh, <laughs> our recording session screwed up and I lost internet and we had to stop about halfway through. And I feel like our tone, our energy just went down. Cause I feel and like really we sorry. were actually doing pretty good. I think up until that point we were yeah. getting progressively more engaged in the, uh, I agree. The and then everything yeah. just dropped out. But so, you know, I know I'm not that sorry because this is free and it's not <laughs> like you paid for this. And so if you are actually disappointed, I'm not sorry. I, but I oh, wow. do want you to know that we are aware that our energy dropped. Chris, are you wanna, sorry? I just want to say that I love your, this is why people listen to the show is to hear what a, like a, a total bad boy you are. <laughs> not even, so you're not even sorry, not sorry. You're just plain not sorry, Ricky. And that's the kind of cool, badass shit that people sign up for. Um, hey, I am who I am. Yeah, fuck it, fuck it, man. Fuck it, what? what?